SequelCast 2 and Friends is a part of the HyperX Podcast Network. This is a vintage episode of SequelCast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. The Empire is on the verge of success. Soon, peace and order will be restored throughout the galaxy. Even now, our capable forces, led by Darth Vader, are striking back at the rebel insurgents. Hello and welcome to the sequel cast. The sequel cast is a podcast that looks at movies and franchise one film at a time, and we're currently wrapping up our several episode look at the Star Wars saga with a look at Star Wars spin-offs. What do I mean by spin-offs? Well, like the video games, the comic books, the uh, the cartoons, the direct to TV movies, all that fun the holiday special, all that fun stuff. With me is BJ. Yo and Thrasher. Utini, my friends. Utini. Utini for all indeed. I want to point out our theme song is written and performed by Mark with a C. Check out his music at markwithac.com. You can check out more episodes of the sequel cast at sequelcast.com. And the sequel cast is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension podcast fleet. You can check out lots of great uh, film and TV related uh, podcasts at battleshippretension.com. Dot com. And you can hear SequelCast on Stitcher, uh, an app where you can listen to podcast streaming. Uh, download it at stitcher.com slash SequelCast, and SequelCast automatically gets added as one of your favorites. So we're talking about Star Wars spinoffs, of which they are many. I, I guess um, let's talk about the the TV shows and stuff first, I guess, before moving on to the many, many uh, video games and novels. Does that sound right, fair? Are we going to count the uh, the made-for-TV movies in here? Yes, yeah, the Ewok stuff. Okay. Sure. Oh, my. The so, Ewoks and the, 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 oh, crap, the Star Wars holiday special. And the droids <laughs> and Ewoks cartoons, yeah. You know, I, I didn't grow up watching a whole lot of this stuff. I recall catching the droids cartoon briefly on Sci-Fi Channel in the 90s. That was, was a golden age. So why is that a golden age, Thrasher? Oh, that was so awesome back then. Well, the Sci-Fi Channel was a new network desperate to make a name for itself and also desperate for content. And so one of the things they did is uh, is in early in the mornings and for a good length of time on weekends, they would show classic cartoons. They showed original Transformers. They showed uh, briefly Robotech. They showed... All these really good cartoons, uh, or mostly really good cartoons from like the 80s and sometime a little bit before, and one of those shows was The Droids, a show that wasn't available on video and hadn't been seen in the States since its original run in the early 1980s. And it's a good show! It is a it legitimately good show. It was very good. good what show. I remember of it was awesome. 
I mean, the, the animation, it doesn't look like anything else that was on television. The animation was very technically adept. Uh, a phenomenal voice cast, which of course includes uh, Anthony Daniels. Is he a knight yet? I really want to say Sir Anthony Daniels. I, I don't believe so, no. Get on that, uh, Queen Elizabeth. Make him a knight. Well, have uh, I told or you this, die, you better make him a knight. Have, the whole, have I told the story yet? And you can tell me to stop if I have, on because we've done so many Star Wars episodes lately, I've, I've kind of lost <laughs> track. Uh, of when I got to see Anthony Daniels talk at Dragon Con. Oh, no. Oh, okay. So I got to see uh, at Dragon Con, which is a, a big comic book convention in the Southeast, specifically in Atlanta, Georgia. It takes over two hotels. Uh, this would have been in 2005, uh, I think. I saw Anthony Daniels, who was the... The voice and the man inside the the costume for C-3PO uh, from the Star Wars films speak. And he did a fun little game with the audience where he wanted to to re-perform on stage, not in the robot suit, of course, the scene from Return of the Jedi where he kind of recounts what happened in um, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. And he had people, you know, do sound effects. Oh, this side of the, the right side of the audience is going to do sound effects of the jungle. And the left side is going to make some Ewok noises. And uh, and people were doing that to set the scene. And one person chirped up with an R2-D2 sound effect. And Anthony Daniels got really annoyed. And he was like, excuse me, I'm C-3PO, this is my story. And I, I'm not sure if he was playing it up for the audience or, or what. But you get a sense, in a way, the attitude of Steve Kiprio and Anthony Daniels is few and far between. I, it, I would hope that, that he was just kind of playing it up. I think so, but it, it was a lovely moment. Like, he could have imagined C-3PO saying that, like, Shut up, this is my story, you little bolt of bricks. <laughs> you clinking, clanking collection of collisionous junk. Yeah, but Star Wars Droids, as you were talking about, was on from one season, originally broadcast on ABC in the United States, from September 1985 until July 1986. And then it wasn't exactly a second season, but it was a direct-to-TV movie called The Great Heap. Uh, occurred afterwards. And um, this has never been released in its entirety, legitimately, on VHS or DVD or Blu-ray or whatever in the United States. Or even worldwide, I believe, if the Internet's to be believed. And uh, that's that's really a, a damn shame. Yeah, it's it's because it it is a good show. It's something that I would buy immediately, and I think it it deserves. It's it's kind of boggles my mind that it isn't available with all the different Star Wars merchandise that's out there. Uh, it's certainly not a series that I could imagine George Lucas is embarrassed by because it is. It's it's all the best of what of what Star Wars can do. Well, and at the time, the budget for the show was much higher than other Saturday morning cartoons. It had a lot more frames of animation. Now, I think that one of the problems you run into, especially with any of the EU um, movie or video or TV show stuff, is that the only one available is the current Clone Wars cartoon. You cannot get the other stuff. It's all out of print, not available. You're right. Speaking of other stuff, you know, around the same time with the Droids cartoon, there was a cartoon uh, about the Ewoks that lasted a, a whole two seasons. So, you know, more episodes in the Droids cartoon. I've never seen this. Have either of you guys? Yes. Yeah, it actually came on Sci-Fi as well. Did it? Okay. Like, like Droids did a run, and then they did Ewoks. So, that's the only reason I remember them is I also saw them like on Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, so, so how was it? Was it more juvenile in, in tone? I guess. Uh, I mean, I don't remember it that much. I mean, that was back in, what, the 90s? You know? Yeah. But I remember the Ewok movies much more than I remember the cartoon. 
yeah, the the Ewok animation. I do think it's it's a lot more. It's a it's handled a lot more like uh, a standard children's animation for the time. Uh, although it is still it, the animation and writing is still of a higher quality than just about anything else that was on TV. But it's it's a very it's a very gentle series. It's not rip roaring adventure like the droids could be. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a nice cozy kind of show. It was kind of nice to see Ewoks speak in a language you could immediately understand. That oh, was, oh, they spoke in English in the show? Yep. Yes. Okay. I guess they'd have I, to. I, the thing is, <laughs> only now could you get away with subtitling an entire show, uh, an animated show for children. Which I would because, love to see. I would love to see like yeah. a, like a, a whole Clone Wars episode that's all done in Hut or something like that. Oh, there wasn't stuff like Teletubbies where a lot of it's like, Buddha, Buddha, woo you know, well, or it's just like well, gibberish. Kind of like the Teletubbies, that? that's not actually their language. Uh, teletubbies are an advanced alien race that communicate telepathically, so their vocal cords have atrophied. Those are just spasms in their vocal cords. The same way we might get an itch on the back of our neck, they make these weird chirpy noises. You know, I think I had a Teletubby spasm after having a bean burrito for lunch. Hey, now. Hey, oh. Uh, oh, you, you were talking about Star Wars spinoffs. I mean, the original, like, like you know live-action spinoff was the Star Wars Holiday Special from 1978, which you can only get as a bootleg, you know, either online if you dig around for it, or at any decent comic convention, you can get it on sale. I have yet to see it. Really? I do want to see it. Oh, you got to see it, BJ. You'd love it. Because I think it's something that every Star Wars fan should see. It's a torture device, but almost better than the Star Wars Holiday Special itself are the commercials that are on with it. (laughs) There's a commercial for, like, a... a, uh, some sort of... uh, Garment Workers Union on there. Oh yeah, the the, the, the look for the union label. Uh huh. Oh yeah. It, it's very avant garde, and George Lucas had practically nothing to do with it. And I think that's the only time he really didn't put much much of his fingers in the Star Wars spinoff pie. Well, I think another important reason to see the Star Wars Holiday Special is it really is a relic of 1960s and 70s television. It's, frankly, that used to be what all holiday specials were like. Yeah. Get a bunch of celebrities together with the flimsiest pretense of a plot and just do different holiday shtick set pieces. Yeah, that that is the formula. Although I love, I love B. Arthur as like the matron running the Moss Eisley's <laughs> cantina. I like uh, Art Carney is a uh, he plays some kind of like a, a schlub, like a salesman or something on uh, on the Wookiee planet of Kashyyyk, oh, yeah. and he's trying to send a hidden message that's being broadcast through his security cameras to Han Solo as the stormtroopers come in, and he says like, "I really need a hand, Solo." You know what I mean? And he winks towards the camera. It's. Uh, there's a scene where Chewbacca's, I believe, grandfather is essentially jacking off to porn. Yeah, he's watching a space porn. Uh, starring who? Who's the who's the who's the musical guest for that segment? Oh, crud! I don't recall. It's not Grace Jones, but it's uh... might as well have been. It's uh... let's look this up. <laughs> yeah, this is well but... worth looking up. But yeah, his 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 grandfather his grandfather's like Itchy. Is his grandfather? Uh Itchy might be the kid. There's like Itchy. Or is it stinky? stinky I don't think Baca, it's quite stinky, but whatever. I mean it's 
And, and that's the other thing about the holiday special is so much of it is these bizarre sequences with the Wookiees, and they don't speak in English, BJ. They speak in Wookiee language with no subtitles, so it's like a bizarre David Lynch, like. But you've you know you've set precedent for that though, like with the Star Wars movies. Yes. So if they started sure. subtitling them, the Star Wars fans would have freaked out. Well, the other thing is you can tell that they're, they're well enough acted that you can tell exactly what they mean just through body language and and, and vocal cues. Yeah, I guess yeah. The Star Wars holiday special really is worth seeing. It it may be bad television, but it is fascinating. It's I'm, it really is. It's a picture of the times, you know. Star Wars, what was what was hot, and this is the formula for holiday specials. Yeah, I so believe you really kind of get an idea for the the time that Star Wars came out and was starting to make it big. I believe the music in which Chewbacca's grandfather was jerking off to in his virtual reality helmet was by. Um, Wait, they had a virtual reality. Oh God, I got it looks to like a hologram see this thing. I have to see this. Oh. We need to okay. When at Gen Con, we will get a bootleg, and we will <laughs> we'll get a bootleg and a bottle of rum, a spiced rum, and we will just watch the holiday special. When is this? As many people as we can fit into the hotel room. Gen Con is going to be August. Um, well, be... well, record it for a live sequel commentary. That would be damn cool. That's what you need to do. But Diane Carroll is the artist that does the song called "This Minute Now," and Chewbacca's father's name is. Itchy, uh, and I think Chewbacca's son's name is Lumpy, and his wife's name is Mala. Oh God! It's and at the end, BJ, you'll especially hate this. Um, they have a version of the Star Wars theme with lyrics sung by Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. I've heard about that, and I think uh, I've heard some parts of it. But uh. well, th- that's also one of the many performances given by Carrie Fisher where she is supposedly completely coked up. As reportedly she was for much of um, the other Star Wars film she was in. I'll just leave it at that. Allegedly. She, she, she was snorting up some salacious crumbs, I can tell you. Oh. Because she got too greedo. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Oh, boy. Jesus. As they'd say in... Uh, Quantum Leap. So oh, I think boy, the, the next uh, venture into TV for Star Wars were the Ewoks movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which were released theatrically in uh, Europe. I remember them fondly, like catching them on the Disney Channel. Back when Disney showed things other than like Hannah Montana or Preteen. Yeah. I've uh, I've never seen these, to be honest. And I've, I've always wanted to. I, they did get a a full, like, I don't know if it was a flipper disc or what, but a DVD release, like, in 2005 or something. Because I worked and at a... Now you I can't worked, find it either. Like, well, right. It's out of print, I'm sure. What was the price I, I showed you on? Oh, Amazon? geez. It was, like, one, 100, 140 bucks or something. Oh, yeah. It was over yes. 100 bucks on Amazon for a used copy. It's uh, I wish I would have bought it at the time, because I worked at a, a movie stop, which I think it still is a video chain... Like, you know, GameStop's the video game store? Mm-hmm. In the southeast, they have a, a chain called Movie Stop, which is like a big used movie warehouse, um, where I, I used to work at briefly in uh, 2006. Was there a Quickie Mart next door? <laughs> there was a Burger King Wait, and a Whopper. you debated the, uh, the, the contractors on the Death Star? With you your... know, there wasn't a Quickie Mart, BJ, but there was, on either side, there was a Burger King and a Waffle House. So, and it was 
one strip mall away from the the big mall. I think Town Center Mall might have been the name of it. So, very good. I mean... For those of you who didn't listen to the Kevin Smith uh, commentary episodes, I hope they caught that reference to Clerks. Yeah, and if you want to hear other episodes of SequelCast where we've covered such films as Lethal Weapon, the Kevin Smith fewest Screeniverse films, or the Highlander franchise, go to SequelCast.com or check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash SequelCast. Where the action is! And the track for segues. Poor segues <laughs> at that. So yes, they were actually they were actually pretty good. Um, I actually think the first one was better. Um, was Wolford Brimley like in the, the first or the second? Brimley. Okay, he's in the second one. Okay, I like the yeah, fact that Wolford Brimley is part of the Star Wars universe. Why don't we talk he about had diabetes? Yeah, diabetes, diabetes, uh, space diabetes. Let's talk about some of the more recent. <laughs> animated Star Wars things. No, I think it was like between the release of Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, Cartoon Network had a, a, a micro-series, they called, called The Clone Wars, that was animated... Oh, just Clone Wars. Is yeah. The... Okay, Clone Wars, directed by uh, Jedi Tartatoski, who's better known for doing, like, uh, Dexter's Laboratory. And, and Samurai and, Jack. And Samurai Jack, sure. And he That's recently... The gig was He Samurai recently Jack. directed the Sony... Uh, CG animated picture Hotel Transylvania. Mm-hmm. I forgot he had, had just did that. Huh. I have to see it. And he was going to uh, direct the uh, Dark Astro Crystal Boy. sequel, but unfortunately, it looks like that uh, that fell through. That sequel's not going to happen. And at one point, he was also. I don't know where they direct... could go with that. How yeah. do you do a sequel to that? At one point, Tartatoski was also going to direct a live action uh, Astro Boy film. He, he, I would trust with Astro Boy. They did do that CG movie that was not directed by him. Uh, that has nothing to do with Astro Boy. <laughs> nothing? Well, ve- like very little. Uh, like uh, The only thing they really kept was scientist loses son, builds super-powered robot copy, abandons him. And then that's it. Like Nothing else has really anything to do with the original Astro Boy uh, comics, manga, or animation. So, BJ, um, out of all of us here at SequelCast... You know the yes. most about the Clone Wars uh, animated series. Yes. And the argument I hear from all my friends is they're like, oh, Star Wars Clone Wars by the Tartatoski, that was awesome, but the new CG Clone Wars series is dog shit. So, so what do you say to that accusation? Um, I say I tell them that the fact that they don't know shit about what they're talking about, okay. I need to actually watch more than one episode. Because uh, the problem people run into is they're like, oh, they, if they catch an episode with about R2-D2 or they catch an episode about Jar Jar Binks, they're just like, oh, they get they get into that fan mode. You know the one I'm talking about where yeah, everything yeah. after the original trilogy sucks. Huh. Where- yeah, I, I got to say I agree with you. I was highly skeptical about the Clone Wars series uh, until I had my trip to the emergency room and I was in bed for, for – in the hospital for four days and the cartoon i got the cartoon network on the hospital tv and they showed a clone wars marathon and i really had a chance to watch and examine the series and actually i overall i did like it there there were some episodes i did not like but those were few and far between it's worth noting it's, that before what's the really se- sad yes. is that the quality of the, the the animation and the quality of the stories has been getting good and better and better over every season but sadly, the viewership has been going down. 
it's like they, they lost people in that originally part and then Cartoon Network has actually moved them to the Saturday they moved them to the Saturday morning um, time slot, which is actually kind of bad for your regular okay. like your older Star Wars fans who are gonna watch. Like it's good right, for like yeah. the young kids getting up early. But uh, apparently that one of the things they, they used to see was a lot of parents on Friday night watching it with their kids. Hmm. Uh, and they haven't seen that kind of demographic as much uh, this past season, which was an excellent season. Well, and what's interesting this past season, it's season five of The Clone Wars that's uh, been wrapping that's up. That's the one that just wrapped up. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see with uh, Disney's acquisition of all things Lucasfilm and, you know, with that, of course, all things Star Wars. Will season six of Star Wars Clone Wars be on Disney XD? Will there be a season six? Like, no one really knows at this point. Well, we know there's a season six. Um, Has there, it been animated? There's been confirmation that there's a season six. It's already been written, and a lot of the production's already done. Huh, um, okay. It's just finding out where it's going to be is the the big question. Uh, and I mean, I've seen things that are positive and negative on both ends. I personally don't want it to go to the Disney uh, XD because I don't have digital cable. So that means I can no longer like watch it immediately. That's at a higher tier, right, than the regular cable. Yeah, I can't, yeah. you know, DVR it then and then watch it. You know, I have to try to watch it exactly when it comes on, you know, on like one of the other televisions that we have. But my personal one does not have a digital cable box. So it means then I will actually lose my ability to probably watch it legally. Mm. Unless they have some sort of streaming thing. I don't know if Disney streams any of their stuff. I know at like StarWars.com or something, you can stream the latest episode of the, the as current well, As long as I can watch it as it's airing, I'm happy because I buy the DVDs as soon as they, uh, they come out. I- Eliminate clutter and embrace the freedom of HyperX wireless gaming gear for PC and console. Power through all the great monthly PlayStation Plus games with the Cloud Stinger Core Wireless for PlayStation. Enjoy lightweight comfort with reliable wireless freedom so you won't miss plot points when you head to the fridge. High-quality HyperX wireless products can be found at most fine retailers, as well as online at Target, Micro Center, Best Buy, Amazon, Walmart, or shop directly at HyperX.com and HP.com. Yeah, I, I've only seen the first two seasons myself, and I will admit the first season is kind of a tough uh, slog. But the animation certainly improves, and it should be mentioned that the uh, the CG uh, Clone Wars series was preceded by a theatrical film, Star Wars The Clone Wars, where they basically stitched together three or four episodes loosely into a film. And it's like you're seeing the animation at its most uh, uh, primitive. You know? I actually enjoyed watching it in the theater. I, I felt it, it played out pretty good, because it, it was a single solid story. It didn't feel like uh, too stitched together for me. Um, I was very excited about it. I I I went to that opening day. Like I oh okay I went that, uh, yeah oh yeah I got off of work went right to the movie theater. I actually took my mom because she's always been uh, into Star Wars with me. Oh no, it's a, a question I do have for you, BJ, and and listeners, we're probably all going to go into some spoiler territory, so you may want to skip ahead five or so minutes. But I know, like right from the moment she was introduced, you were really fond of the Ashoka character. What did you think about her? That character's current fate on Clone Wars. Um, I don't know. Have you seen the season finale? I I haven't. I read. I was very very curious, so I read a review slash uh, synopsis on IO Nine. I am actually very excited for where this could go. Mm. I think that 
I think they said it's set up there that they could not have a if they decided not to have a sixth season right now. I think they're in a good place to where they could do something with her in the future. I, I mean, literally in the future, in the next movies, actually introduce her as a main a character in the into the live action Star Wars, hmm. because I could see her off and hidden somewhere, uh, and possibly you know helping to try to you know retrain Jedi and and such. I could see that from her, from the character. I think that the character is very interesting and really embodies what it is to be a Jedi. And I think that that's very important because you can really see that in what's happened with her now is that she really has understood that though her friend took it entirely too far, it's so far to have fallen as a Jedi, which is what's really cool is that they kept pushing like their little tagline was who will fall. So you kept thinking somebody's going to die, somebody's going to die, but no, it's a Jedi. It was about Jedi falling from grace and falling from their path, and so it's kind of it. It really was an interesting deep season like that because it's really it's been building up to it the whole time because you're seeing Anakin get more frustrated with the war and how it's you know how it's being handled. You're seeing all these people, all these things that really you know start foreshadowing what's to come in Episode Three. So I think this is if you only watch one episode or one season of the show, definitely watch five. I will say, thinking of specific episodes, I really like the uh, the very first episode of season one, where it's just Yoda and some clone troopers doing a little mission on a planet, and Yoda lectures them about the Force and how they're it, all different. And- yeah, yeah, how they're all different. Yeah, they're clones and all this stuff. And I think it, it's just a real nice. Uh, that is one of the most brilliant things that they have done with it is taking and giving the clones individuality because otherwise they are just droids. Like when you see yep. them like in the other, in the other yeah. movies, they are literally all just dro- organic droids. So you start seeing like that they have personalities and they have desires and, and wants and it really gives and makes you understand why – these are the people you should be rooting for compared to the the separatists who are just using these machines to kill things. Meanwhile, we have actual, you know, humans with hearts and minds and emotions, you know, fighting the war. Oh, and be- because we have to invoke his name every episode, what do you think of Tim Curry as Emperor Palpatine? He's not. He doesn't play Emperor Palpatine. He does now. No, he doesn't. No, the original they voice actor changed died. the voice oh, actor. Oh, is he episode. the new person that plays it? Because the it actor Curry? died? Because it sounded familiar, but... Are you sure it's Tim Curry, Thrasher? It, it is indeed Tim Curry. Really? Let me look this up. Uh, I don't really care for it, I'm wo- and I'm wondering why... The actor that played him before had died. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Probably it, it, it was really it was really recent. It was really sudden, and they kind of had to replace him mid-season. You're correct. Like, um, yeah, you're I, correct. I, I'm reading this press release from March. And so, is there a real that's difference? Why he sounded so much more evil and ominous. But does yeah. he have like the the Tim Curry weird like? No, it's it's like it's hard to recognize him unless you really know unless you know. Hey, that's supposed to be Tim Curry, and you go. Oh, okay. Holy shit, that's pretty cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, wow. 
so at last, <laughs> the curry is part of the is part of the. Uh, I wouldn't say at last. We mentioned him perhaps once per episode, but yeah. No, I, I'm going to post a, a, a. Oh, whatever. This link is just a terrifying picture of Tim Curry in a bathrobe. <laughs> Enjoy. Tim Curry in a bathrobe, you say? Oh my. Ha! <laughs> I hope you enjoy my bathrobe. Stop eating I like my keep sesame my cake. Wow. Way to try. I mean, now you... See, now you really do have somebody... Like, you can start seeing the... Now you'll get to see Chancellor Palpatine start going more and more evil because you have an actual... Like, yeah. A, a really good villain actor. Well, speaking of play. iconic bad guy characters, originally the person they had cast and they recorded a few episodes with them doing this in the Batman animated series from the 90s is they had Tim Curry as the Joker. And, uh, I don't know. That's true. We covered that in our Batman spinoff episode. Uh, we did with uh, Tyler Smith, the Battleship Pretension, uh, yep. and one more lesson himself as a guest. And that's how we became part of the Battleship Retention podcast fleet. I wouldn't say it was that simple. That's where the seed was planted, sure. That's... And uh, I do want to give a shout-out to our, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequelcast. I've been uh, doing a better job of posting, I guess, news stories on there. Cool. And uh, since the beginning of February, we've risen from reaching uh, 89 people to over 500 people, so... You have been posting some very good stories, I have to say. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, there's just so many sequels out there. It's easier for me to post something quick on the Facebook page, even if it's from my phone, than doing it on the main website at SequelCast.com. Uh, and you can go to SequelCast.com to, uh, you know, buy SequelCast merchandise like mouse pads and uh, check out our Amazon links. I just revamped that so it's more uh, relevant to what we talk about on our shows. And uh, all sorts of fun stuff. And if you like the sequel cast uh, family of podcasts, which include sequel cast, sequel cast special, uh, video game sequel cast, and sequel commentary, uh, you can donate at sequelcast.com slash donate and check out the PayPal links over there. Because anything is greatly appreciated. I think we have one last TV property to cover before we move on. Before uh, we move on, okay. The new, up- the new and upcoming uh, animated series that's in the works. Detours. Yes. Oh yeah. By um, Seth Green is one of the producers of Seth it. Seth Green also Seth MacFarlane is playing is the voice of Palpatine. And he's the voice of Palpatine on Robot Chicken as well, right? Yes, I believe okay. so. As well as anytime Palpatine shows up on uh on Family Guy. Yes. Yep. Which, why didn't they get him to play Palpatine in uh in, in the Clone Wars series? He doesn't that sound that much be- like Palpatine. But he sounds like a character, but neither does Tim Curry. What what does Tim Curry's Palpatine sound like? Curry can do drama. I really don't think McFarlane could do drama. You're probably right. I I don't know. McFarlane, he's a really talented individual. I have to say the Oscars were kind of a tragedy, so we know he can do that. Oh. I think the Oscars are better than they've been in a while. Yeah, I know that's a good joke. Yeah, I've I gotta say I've got I've got my doubts about detours on, only because for for everything like because I've seen clips and for everything I see in a clip that I I love I see something that I hate 
like I like I love like I love that bit where it's like uh, uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca like bicker like an old married couple. I think that's brilliant. And partly because that's not too far from where those characters actually exist, because they're two people who've lived together for a while and then really know each other and can speak freely like that around each other. But on the other hand, I cannot stand their depiction of Princess Leia. That's a that is really kind of silly. Like it makes her seem like like a, a valley girl, or like a Kardashian, um, a pageant princess yeah i mean it doesn't have it doesn't come out of her character it's just there for the purpose of a gag now the Mm. lando the lando depictions are really funny they do a really good job with the lando and hey it's billy d is it okay everybody loves billy d a lot of people actually do their roles they're um you you you've got uh billy d you've got um shoot what's uh Ahmed Best is there for, for Jar Jar, Jar yeah. and Anthony Daniels, of course. Yep. Now, did you know that Mark Hamill reprised his role of Luke Skywalker in one robot chicken sketch? Yes. It was the one that was a takeoff of Empire Strikes Back, where Darth Vader is fighting Luke Skywalker on um, Bespin. I know the I know the one now. <laughs> and no, Darth Vader kind of confides in him. Talking about midichlorians and his backstory, and like Luke Skywalker is like, well, now you're just getting ridiculous. Well, yeah, it's like it's like more the more secrets that Vader reveals, yes. the less into it and, Luke is. Like, that's un- improbable. That's unlikely. But it's <laughs> that, pretty that's clever. A nice moment. Yeah, and, and frankly, like, there, there have been enough Robot Chicken Star Wars episodes that they probably count as an extension of the of, of Star Wars to begin with. I love that uh, scene where it's Boba Fett taunting Han Solo, frozen in carbonite, and Boba Fett's just being a swaggering jackass. <laughs> I think that's great. Hmm. I'm gonna take off my helmet. I, I, Ooh, I like the one with the fanboy dresses a tauntaun as George yes. Lucas ride him. <laughs> <laughs> like, hi, Mister Lucas. How you like your? I, I love all your movies. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, there's been enough stuff out there that we could probably do a whole episode about depictions of George Lucas. We've done so many. St- I, I did the math, and I think almost 10% of all the sequel cast episodes have been about Star Wars in some way, <laughs> between sequel cast specials and our current series of episodes on Star Wars. I see. So well, um, It's so ubiquitous. Oh, oh, there's so much out there. Yeah, it's it's such an important part of film today because that's how a lot of directors yes. now got their inspiration sure. it's like i want to do that like it it really is it's such i mean i've said this before is how it's important to the film industry and just it's become such a part of our culture in america and, and just yeah well i mean we cannot escape it it is we, we've talked about these tv spinoffs let's move on to um yeah. the, the the books briefly ah, are we yes, the role-playing books. games here Sure. Because role-playing games are extremely important to the books. Well, West End Games had the Star Wars role-playing game license for quite some time in the 90s. That was the first role-playing game I ever purchased. Wow, was it? Okay. I still have that book. It sits on my shelf. Which edition? I finally got the the new and expanded version. Does TSR have the new one now? Uh, they they do Fantasy Flight has a new uh, new version they did they just got it went from West End to Wizards of the Coast to now Fantasy Flight oh okay so I am very excited that rule book comes out in April is it D forty uh, or 
Um, it's their it's their custom system that they use for um, Warhammer Fantasy. It's a the rules I've system. read are really interesting. Like they have, you can succeed and fail at the same time, hmm. which is kind of what happens a lot in Star Wars. They do something great and then something terrible happens. Would you say it's kind of more of a hardcore system? No, it's it's very cinematic. Like huh. it keeps the story moving, from what I can tell. Like I haven't had a chance to really play it, but reading through it. Uh, Will's had some experience with the um, the fantasy version. He could probably be better at it than me. Yeah, the, the Warhammer fantasy. Uh, it all it's it's intriguing because it do, it does use these proprietary dice that don't have numbers on them. They have uh, they have specific symbols, and there's different symbols for different dice. Uh, and it's it's one of those things where from from the outside it doesn't look like it'll work, but from the inside it makes perfect sense. Uh, you just gotta keep track of the dice because you don't want to lose them because then you won't necessarily it won't necessarily be easy uh, to replace them. But yeah, it's like you know you you assemble depending on what you want to do and how you want to do it. You assemble a dice pool from these different kinds of dice and then roll them. And then once you get the results, there's lots of room for interpretation. And one and like as BJ said, one of the things that can happen is you can succeed and something bad can still happen, or you can fail and something good could still happen. Hmm. Oh, BJ, because uh, you you've read the rules, correct? Uh, I have not had it because I don't have a copy of it yet. Oh, crud! That's right. I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm really curious to see whether they kept the initiative system that they used in Warhammer Fantasy because their initiative system uh, is legitimately brilliant. Uh, I mean, the only thing I could really do is pull up the uh, the, the character sheet, but um, I really but, but, would like. I, I can't. I I don't want to buy the beginner's game box of it, which just has like the watered down rulebook. When the whole rulebook comes out pretty soon, I like what they're doing with that. With the rulebook release in April, you get a, a sticker sheet that you stick on to your existing normal polyhedral dice to turn them into the custom dice. But uh, BJ, and I cannot wait to get into this part, but you had mentioned that the role-playing game was important to the books. Yes. Now, here's the reason why. West End Games produces so much material Mm. that this material ended up being um, so liked by Lucasfilm that when Timothy Zahn was selected to write his the the first real like expanded universe novels that is where they gave him a crate of west end games source books and said here here's your reference and the rest is history everything we so, know so was the west end uh, star wars rpg source books published before the heir to the empire a trilogy by timothy yes. zahn okay they huh. were out before then uh, uh, I mean, there were obviously ones that came after that. In fact, they did a nice um, hardcover collection after all three of the Air of the Empire you know, trilogy books came out with source material just from that. But everything from that series comes from the West End Games game, mm. which to me, it's still the best Star Wars RPG. Now, I, like I said, I haven't played the new one. But that system was beautiful. It was very open. You could do anything with it. And really make it Star Wars. What I love about that system is it actually came from the Ghostbusters game that they, <laughs> they did. Oh, yeah. So another uh, set of sequels there for you. Right. I mean, I read a whole bunch of the Star Wars novels, uh, in particular when I was in middle school and high school. Um, 
I arguably read most of the Star Wars novels up until Del Rey got the license back to do the books. If that means anything to the listeners, which it might not. In uh, particular, I remember really enjoying uh, A.C. Crispin wrote uh, a Han Solo trilogy of novels in uh, from 97 to 98. Kind of talking about Han Solo as a young boy uh, up to the point where it kind of leads into Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. And uh, those ones and the X-Wing novels by Michael uh, Stackpole and Aaron Stackpole. Alston oh, yes. were I'm especially really excited great. because he's actually been tapped to write uh, the world of, some of the World of Warcraft novels now. Michael Stackpole? So we should see like a series. Really? Okay. Um, yeah, well, I I don't really care for Richard Knack. Like, I know he's popular with, like, he's some of the, the Dragonlance yeah. and other, like, fantasy novelists. But I don't care for his writing style, but I really like Stackpole. I think the first overnighter I did was finishing the X-Wing trilogy, or the, the whole, like, series era. It uh-huh. was like, the, I finished, like, I think I read two of them in a night. Um, I, I thought that they were that well-written. Of course, I was really young at the time and hadn't had a whole lot of experience, but... They are some really good um, – if you like Star Wars and it's not about Jedi, if you like just the everyday guys, like the fighter pilots and all, the X-Wing tri- – or I keep wanting to call it a trilogy. Why do I want to call it a trilogy? So, because Star Wars is trilogies, isn't it? The X-Wing series is amazing. Check it out. Yeah, I think – as, as far as like the, the books and things go, I think the only thing I've – I've read is the the Jedi Academy uh, trilogy or the New Jedi Academy trilogy, whichever one has Luke setting up a New Jedi Academy, and I'm not even sure I I, I finished that. That's the Kevin J. Anderson one. Yes. Yep. yes, yes, I read those. They also he he and his wife actually wrote a young adult series based on it, where it was Han and Leia's kids and um, some other folks. And their kids um, get a lot more focus in the later novels too. Um, this was before everything got really weird with the kids. Yes. Well, isn't this the novel where they begin the trend of always having Han and Leia's kids uh, uh, abducted? They kind of did I that from the start. Uh, I guess it's the only way you can kind of foil Han and Leia is to abduct their kids. I mean, they already beat the evil empire that was ruling the galaxy. So, like, what what could possibly, you know, upset them? Well, other kids, like some sort of Bond villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it keep it keeps happening to the to the point where you think they would just learn to keep their kids with them so that they could fight off kidnappers, as opposed no, to putting them on asteroids in the middle of nowhere that are completely books. undefended that anybody could break into. Oh, and BJ, by the way, that upcoming uh, World of Warcraft book that Michael Stackpole is going to write is called Vol'jin Shadows of the Horde. Oh, yeah. I so, he was doing the Vol'jin book. That so, should be interesting. Vol'jin, I would guess, is a troll by the name? Yes, he's the troll leader. and He's oh, okay, cool. pretty awesome. Neat. He's a pretty, pretty cool character. He, he doesn't take shit from anybody. Pretty... No, he don't. <laughs> He'll turn you into a frog and squish you. <laughs> yeah. See, I guess, I guess, I, I'm sure there are good Star Wars novels out there, but regrettably, I, I have not read any. It really, I think the, the, the earlier you go with them, the better they are. I think their quality kind of dropped 
uh, as as time went on, as they went further away from the original trilogy. Oh wait, we just got a, a special up with ways for the empire to come back, and it eventually yeah, gets a, it gets a bit tired. We just got a call from the the peasant from uh, World of War from Warcraft Three. Hello, you need more lumber to build that farm? No, we're talking about <laughs> Star Wars, peasant. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Oh, g- good boy. Oh, I'm gonna yeah, chop. I'm gonna chop me trees so, now. So. Oh, it's an orc. Hey, hey, orc. We're talking about Star Wars. What are you here for? Dabu. These orcs are aliens. Dabu. Oh. No talk. Welcome to the world of Warcraft. <laughs> How the hell did we end up going from Star Wars to World of Warcraft? Michael Stackpole. Uh, because Stackpole went from Star Wars to Warcraft. <laughs> and now we're Star going. Star Wars has had two MMORPGs. Take a time machine back to before the world went to hell, around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games, that's what I want to talk about. If you're cool enough, join us and listen to Less Than 2000, because that's all we talk about. Adam and Chad live Less Than 2000, now part of the HyperX Podcast Network. For every episode of No More Whoppers that you listen to, we will send you a 25 cent coupon for participating Kroger's. How many Kroger's are participating? None, but you're still getting the coupon. And it's like 25 cents in 1985 dollars. Right, so today that's like... 28 cents. No More Whoppers, take that to the bank and smoke it. On the HyperX Podcast Network and nomorewhoppers.com. Eliminate clutter and embrace the freedom of HyperX wireless gaming gear for PC and console. Powered through all the great monthly PlayStation Plus games with the Cloud Steiner Core Wireless for PlayStation. Enjoy lightweight comfort with reliable wireless freedom so you won't miss plot points when you head to the fridge. High quality HyperX wireless products can be found at most fine retailers, as well as online at Target, Best Buy, and Amazon, where you can shop for them directly at HyperX.com and HB.com. Yeah, I mean, let's let's start talking about the video games uh, briefly, because there's quite a lot of them. I, I've played a lot of these, too. Um, geez. Well, yeah, why don't we start about the, the MMOs, the first one being Star Wars Galaxies. Yes. I was, regret I never got into it. I guess I, uh, um, I just, I didn't want to pay for multiple subscriptions to games and I was playing World of Warcraft at the time. So. I played a trial of Star Wars Galaxies, but it was after the new game experience where they revamped it and made it more, uh, less hardcore, for lack of a better way to put it. And... The beginning I found really exciting. It had you in a, in a very, in, in an instance where you're with Han Solo and Chewbacca on the Millennium Falcon and you're going around a space station. And then you're dumped on Tatooine where it's a big area to explore, not that many quests, and it's just sort of chaotic trying to figure out what the hell you're trying to do. It doesn't feel, it didn't feel very cohesive. Meanwhile, the Old Republic is almost the exact opposite of that. Which just went free to play. Um, for about a year now, I guess. Uh, it's only been a couple months, but uh, okay, they do have like expansion coming out. Um, <laughs> oh, know, do they? Pretty soon. It's only like a. It's it's barely. It can barely be called an expansion, but hey, it is a free to play game. So, have you ever played any of these uh, Star Wars MMOs, Thrasher? I've never actually played any other. That's mainly because I'm I'm generally I'm not that into to MMORPGs. They just don't fit my play style. I have seen both of uh, both of them played though. And what do you think they about? Bo- they both looked fun, just not fun enough for me to get a subscription. Although now that they're free to play, I guess there's no excuse for that. Well, sadly, Star Wars Galaxies does not exist anymore. 
Yes. Oh yeah. There are, oh there are apparently like illegal you know versions of it floating around where people are trying to emulate it. But you know it just never ends up as good as the the actual game. Yeah, it's have, not the intended experience. Have they announced a release date of uh, Star Wars Old Republic on the Macintosh yet? I'm not sure if they have. I thought I remember seeing some 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 free-to-play game I really liked was finally on Mac, and I can't remember if it was that or Lotro. It might be Lotro. It might be Lotro. I, I see Old Republic isn't quite yet, but I know they've talked about bringing that to the... They Mac. have a lot of bigger problems. EA's having some serious... Um, Problems. I think they just laid off an entire studio. Oh, uh, well, in San Francisco. That kind of happens a lot in the video game industry. Like you know, even if they release a popular game, a studio might be shut down for whatever reason. But I mean, also recently, EA released the the latest uh, SimCity game, simply titled SimCity. And in a more common trend, we'll get back to stores in a second. Sequel cast listeners, I promise. We but better. In a common trend with video games now you're required to have an internet connection all the time even if you're playing it single player and the problem is this uh, new, there hasn't been a new SimCity game in quite some time and um, I, I haven't bought the game so I haven't experienced it myself but from what I've been reading on Twitter and all the websites uh, people trying to get on the game trying to play it single player are having to wait in a queue just to get on and play, you know, to connect to the EA server. It's like the day that Diablo 3 went online. Oh, that was oh, terrible that was when terrible. Diablo 3 launched. God, where it was like a... You, you got booted out of a single-player game because of server issues on the side of... That was Activision. That was I mean, EA, well, but, I get why Blizzard was doing that, because that was... Because they had the real money auction house. So yeah. they didn't want... It was their way to prevent a lot of the cheating there because there could be real money involved, but... Is there an, uh, some sort of monetary thing, uh, player economy in SimCity? I believe the new SimCity game has some kind of microtransactions in there somehow. But I, I have not played the game. I, I'd like to. I, I grew up loving the SimCity games, but, you know, I we're still not... SimCity 4, or whatever it was. Yeah, the most recent one, SimCity 4. I think the last one I oh. played was 3, but, uh, you know, Star Wars has a lot of video games out there, too. Uh, oh, actually, if 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 I may just get in one one editorializing comment. Yes. Sometimes I really do feel like the video games industry is committing an elaborate suicide. It is a real different world out there for video games now. I mean, when on on your phone you can get hundreds of games for free or for a dollar or two a piece, compared to a, a console or a computer where it might cost you know fifty, sixty bucks for a new game. It's a real different market. Although at out there. the same time, it's not just video games. It's all of uh, the media that we grew up with. It's all mm. totally. I mean, look at us. Physical versus digital. We have a radio yeah. show on the internet. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Right. And did we do, Mister and Mrs. America? Yeah. I mean, think about it. That we right. this show would not exist back when you know EA started making games. The, the, it never occurred that this kind of distribution system would would st- would exist, and especially once we got into app markets on phones and such and now you have yeah. that you have the the Mac app market where it's straight to your Mac and now you have it for Windows 8 as well that yep. the the whole distribution is changing for movies music books video but, games all of it but that's no excuse for bad game design well i think it's they're they're having problems adapting and so they're just trying to rehash what they know 
I think part of that will and improve do it fast. Yeah, I think part of it will improve as the infrastructure for the internet worldwide increases. In the United States, it's not great uh, compared to Europe and parts of Asia. We're using the internet of the '90s right now for some reason. That's because South Korea sure. is insane. I why are you? Japan's you, you really would fast think too. South Korea would be the most wired country in the the world. You'd figure it'd be Japan, you know? Yeah, well, I've heard from uh, you know um, one of our uh, Australian listeners, uh, Ben Kane, over on our Facebook page at facebook.com/sequelcast, has talked to me before about how in Australia the internet connections are just now getting to the point. Of, you know, what is it, like between like 8 and 10 megs a second or something, which is what sort of the standard speed for cable internet in the United States is. But, like, I don't have cable anymore. I just have the internet. Uh, and Comcast is who I have to use because uh, I'm renting an apartment. And just for the internet, it's costing me like $65 a month. And that's with me owning a cable modem, uh, which I think is an outrageous price, really. Well, that's oh, that's also absolutely. Comcast. You know, they're... <sighs> You could, I could easily rant about Comcast and their owning the distribution as well as the content production since they yep. purchased you know, NBC Universal. Cable Town has come to life, yeah. Um, <laughs> with but you know, talking about Star Wars video games, getting back on that track uh, on our Facebook page, uh, sequel cast listener Jordan Alleman uh, recommended. Uh, he says he still plays the PC versions of Knights of the Old Republic one and two. Cool. And those also came out on the original Xbox and. I played the first one on my Xbox 360 with the poor backwards compatibility until a save file got corrupted about 20 hours into the game. Oh. Which made me want to throw a TV out a window. I was. I have not that about one on Steam, it. but I haven't been able to play it because I found trying to play it with a keyboard and mouse very uncomfortable. Can you plug in a. a, a uh, I need pad? to get a controller. It's just that yeah. I, I really like the Xbox controller if I'm going to go buy one. But Xbox controllers are not cheap. 50 bucks a piece for the licensed stuff, sure. and yeah. But with the Knights of the Old Republic, it's um, the beginning is really slow. It's not until you get to the, the Jedi Training Academy to where it takes off. And that's a lot to swallow to say that the first six hours of the game kind of sucks. But it, it, it gets better. Now, I remember with Knights of the Old Republic, the... What really sticks out to me is the the fan backlash when it started out as Xbox only. Yes, uh, Bioware until that time had really been a PC game manu- you know, maker. You're right. Um, sure. Their their previous big hit that they had just did was Neverwinter Nights, which was a really great uh, Dungeons and Dragons game that allowed you to actually build the content. Um, but once they when they put that out and they found out it was. Um, and they, they found it was – the fans didn't like the fact that Bioware felt like they had – you know, there was no announcement for – wow, I don't even know how to put this into words. You had to have really been there to see the fan backlash on the forums of Bioware to really see how bad fans felt and betrayed about it. And eventually I they did get a PC port. I I do I do remember that. Although I also remember a lot of that was was born out of the the initial skepticism about the Xbox as well. True, true. I, I keep forgetting how old that is, and that was the original. But yeah. hey, let 
Wow. Let's go back further than that. Did you ever play that old Star Wars arcade game where it was a flight simulator? You got into like an actual X-wing cockpit and you could yes, do the trench it was, run, it was the, the old, like, battles, and the lines. It wasn't actually like fully rendered. Yeah, it was all wireframe graphics. Oh, that was so fun. Which is weird because at that time X-wing was in on PC with fully rendered graphics. You'd think that you know arcade uh, arcade games have always been you know a little more advanced than PCs. Actually, that 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 does predate uh, that does predate uh, X Wing. I believe the first time I played oh, that was in uh, 1988. I, I can't even remember that far back, man. I don't. I don't know how you have such a good memory for these things, Time Lord. Ah, curse you and your two hearts. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> but they can hey, was Anthony Daniels ever on Doctor Who? Like, it seems like. Seems like a guy who, who would have just uh, you know gotten like a cameo on there or something minor should, part. Frankly, that would have made sense. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I love we, that we could game. have him be the the king. Oh wow, I'm almost called the king of the Cylons, but Cybermen. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he be the king of the Cybermen, Anthony Daniels. <laughs> well, they're bringing the Cybermen back in that Neil Gaiman episode, so who knows? Well, to wrap things up, let's go around and talk about a Star Wars video game that we enjoyed. So we're going to skip over comics? Or we just don't have time for that tonight? I don't think we have time for the comics. Uh, Go nuts! There's a lot of it, I guess... Well, let's close that out. I guess all each of us talking about a Star Wars comic we read. I think that's oh. fair. Okay. I've never read any of them. <laughs> okay. So, um, before, just a, one last thing on video games. I really loved the TIE Fighter and X-Wing series. Oh, they were classic. That was my and, first video game. That and like Wing Commander, all that space sim genre is uh, I, I miss very, very much. And there's still stuff that comes out with it every once in a while. So, yeah, it's definitely not as common as it used to be. I, I, it's almost like they decided they didn't want to do these free form worlds anymore. We're just going to put you on rails, and yeah, have at it. I knew the Chris Roberts, the guy that made the old Wing Commander games, recently did a Kickstarter for an upcoming PC game called Star Citizen, with a planned release of 2013, where I think it has single player campaign and MMO components to it. Interesting. But it's like a space combat sim, but with elements of like uh, trading stuff and different, you know, like buy low, sell high, that sort of. What is it? Uh, what is that fucking game? EVE Online? Yeah, Which is right. Which all about player economy and Yeah, like that's like EVE Online oh, yeah. meets Wing Commander, that sort of a thing. So, that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, Star Wars comics. So you've never read one, BJ? No, I never have. Any interest or no? Just Not really. Okay. Uh, I guess I, if I'm going to read it, I might as well read a whole novel. I never really... I like comic properties, but I've never liked the whole comic format. Like, I just... The, the, I think they're too episodic. I think that I don't think we pay enough for what goes into them, and I don't think you get enough for what you pay for. If that makes any sense, yeah. I I, I can understand. I that. like the collected things. Like I feel like I, you know, ten ten fifteen dollars for a collected, you know, graphic novel, which is basically the comic issues together. I feel that feels more appropriate price wise than the, the single um issue stuff. Yeah, the graphic novel is definitely the superior format. 
It's the DVD of comic books. Yes. That's, yeah, sure. Just like the box set is the DVD of DVDs. Aha. Or would you be the Blu-ray of DVDs? I don't know. Hard to say. Hmm. Uh, so, what's a Star Wars comic that you wanted to talk about, Thrasher? Well, I, uh, I really, I really do want to talk about my absolute favorite, which was the Droids comic series that was put out by Dark Horse in the mid '90s, which was a really great stories. I mean, the the art the art was amazing. They told really good adventure stories that all that all took place around and sometimes directly involved R two D two and C three PO, and while they never made this clear in the comics, apparently they took place between episode three and episode four. Although, but again, they were, they were never clear. I like, I kind of thought it must take place after if only because the empire never seemed to show up, but we never saw any Jedi's either. But it, what I think what I like about it the most, aside from just the fact of, you know, really good characterization and good art with the droids was that they had a hell of a lot of fun with the Star Wars universe and stretch things as far as they could go. They had a really great story arc that was all about a, uh, all about a, a uh, coup of a, a rebellion that only took place on this one planet because the planet was ruled by a dictator uh, and, and the, and the natives wanted to overthrow that dictator. And there was this great running gag where the dictator's full title was Dictator Forever Craw, but all the all the rebels on the planet called him Dictator For Now Craw. And uh, there was this whole neat thing about how there was this Ithorian who had figured out this chemical derived from a plant root that would give you total amnesia, but it made you – like it was supposed to make you happy, but it made you happy by erasing all your memories. And the dictator wanted to – put this in the food of the people on the planet to make, you know, to make them all mindless, happy slaves. And, but the rebels wanted to give this to the dictator so that he would just be a blank slate and they could get rid of him. But the one thing that was very interesting about the droids, uh, is that, uh, uh, C3, as you all remember from, from, uh, episode four, C3PO has that one silver leg. Just that's, that's one, this one like weird quirk of his, and in droids, he is completely, you know, copper or gold plated, whatever his color is. And they did a story arc that was supposed to be the origin story for his silver leg, where you know he gets he gets this injury, uh, he gets his he gets his leg. They have to rebuild him with spare parts. One of the spare parts is a silver leg, but then it turns out there's a secondary memory core that's built into that silver leg, and it overwhelms C-3PO's personality, and he becomes this droid revolutionary that leads a droid rebellion uh, against the Huts. And it's it's a really cool story arc because it all turns out the whole thing is a conspiracy by a hut by a hut scrap metal merchant trying to get, trying to get rid of his uh, competition by getting all their droids to rebel. But the thing is, uh, about halfway through this story arc, episode one went into production, and I guess they got a memo from Lucas from Lucasfilm saying that the silver leg was now out of bounds because they might explain it in the prequel trilogy. So when they wrapped up the story, they had to really quickly have C-3PO lose his silver leg and go back to the gold leg so that there would be no, there would be no confusion between the comic and the movie. Which they still did not explain in the prequel trilogy. So I guess it's just a spare part now. 
I always, I, I see to me, I always thought that was just like, whoops, we forgot to put the gold coloring on this leg. Uh, let's film it anyway. <laughs> just like the Vaseline over the wheels on the sand speeder in the original versions. Huh. I never thought it, I, it never occurred to me that it had any significance whatsoever. That I thought it was just, you know, some sort of, you know, goof. Well, I just figured it was kind of like that dent in his forehead. It's just another thing to indicate that he's a piece of hardware that's been around for a while. And, oh, the Boba Fett and Jabba the Hutt comics are also very good, very good standalone stories. I really liked it. It was a part of the Star Wars Infinity series, but it was a um, series of comics by Dark Horse Comics called Star Wars Tales, where it was stuff that was non like, not canon necessarily, but it was all sort of like, not all what-if storylines, but a lot of the good ones were like that. And they could kind of, I mean, it's the appeal of reading a bunch of short stories versus, like, one big novel. Mm-hmm. And there was a really neat one, gee, I'm trying to see what... Yeah, I can't yeah. remember what the story was told, but it was a what it was about basically is it cut between Darth Vader uh, during Empire Strikes Back coming across the scattered pieces of C three PO that Chewbacca was carrying around, and he's holding like this discarded C three PO head, and he's having a flashback of when he was young as Anakin, as a young child, building C three PO part by part, and as Darth Vader, he's seeing C three PO like ripped to shreds. Hmm. In pieces, you know, at the hand of the stormtroopers and so forth. And it cuts so between the two. So this is what it feels like when doves cry. Exactly. And, uh, no, I thought it was a really good artwork in that story. I can't recall what it was, uh, the name of it was. But it was a mixture of, like, funny and serious stories in the Star Wars Tales comic series that they uh, collected in many different trade paperbacks throughout the years. It ran from... 2006, uh, from 2002 to 2006, I believe. So, I'd recommend listeners um, check that out. Dark Horse has really been done so many Star Wars comics uh, since the 90s, really, and it'll be interesting to see who will do the comics now that Disney owns them. I know Dark Horse still has the license for a little bit, so. You think it'd be, Mar- well, it'd have to be Marvel, Marvel, I guess, Marvel huh? had a current license for it, though. Dark Horse is still publishing at least a few series, one of which is just called Star Wars, which takes place between Episode 4, A New Hope, and Empire Strikes Back, Um, where it's an original story with really great cover artwork by Alex Ross. Um, But So I think Dark Horse has a little bit more to go, but yeah, Marvel does make sense, since that's also owned by Disney. (laughs) So (laughs) there's a lot of Star Wars we've talked about. You can hear it all along with all the other film franchises and everything we've talked about at SequelCast.com. <laughs> and uh, if you like what you heard, you know, donate at SequelCast.com slash donate. So, and leave us a good review on iTunes, just search SequelCast. For the SequelCast, this is Matt. This is Thrasher saying check out Professor Blastoff. They just did a live Star Wars episode with Pablo Hidalgo from Lucasfilm. Ooh. Ooh, interesting. Oh, yeah, and this is BJ, who's <laughs> – go out there and play a Star Wars game, for God's sake. 
preferably one of ours. Read a comic, see an Yes, yeah. play one of our games at Gen Con. We're running three in a row. You too can live a Star Wars trilogy. Is there a website where people can check out more information about that upcoming LARP? Sure, you can go to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash kettle of fish productions. I you never knew Kettle of Fish Productions had a Facebook page. Yes. I should know that. I feel terrible. Okay. You should, you should feel, you should feel very terrible. There you go. <laughs> Star Wars! Wait, is this it? But the address says New York, New York. No. What? No, one word. Kettle of Fish Productions. Oh. God damn you, Facebook, and all your Facebook shit. Hey, are we going to do an episode on Star Wars parodies? No. Okay. Are we ever going it's, to do Star Wars You ever could again? do an entire series about Star Wars. We could do Star a sequel Wars. cast special on Star Wars parody in a while. I don't want okay. to take a little Star Wars break. But yeah, the next franchise we're covering on sequel cast, as voted by the listeners on our Facebook page, is uh, Jaws. Ooh, the Star Wars of the Sea. Star Wars of the Sea. And uh, isn't this what put Steven Spielberg on the map? Yes. Yes, it is. Because he did a movie. Who'd have thought? He did a movie would, or two would before. Create this. one of the most influential directors of our time. Right. They say you know Jaws in 1975 and Star Wars uh, Episode Four: A New Hope two years later in 77 is what created the whole kind of modern movie uh, blockbuster mentality. Where no, and then they teamed up for Indiana Jones. I, I'm going to say we that these movies good. didn't create it. Executives who didn't understand the success of these movies created it. I like one of the TV spots for Jaws has the great tagline, God created the devil and gave him Jaws. 